0: I'd like to welcome our first sponsor to the official Do Good Better podcast, and that is DonorDoc. Listen, as a non-profit, DonorDoc knows that you wear many different hats, and that's why they are here to help you make your life easier. DonorDoc helps you connect with your donors on a deeper level and provides you with the tools to become the ultimate fundraiser. There are other instantly cool features, too, but we know connecting and staying connected with your donors are high on most of your priority lists. Hey, and guess what? Donor Doc is so awesome. And I'm telling you so awesome that to everyone listening, they are giving you a 100% discount off your first month. That's right. 100% off. It's absolutely free to use for your first month. All you have to do is use the referral code, do good, better, and you're set Again, Do Good Better, it's simple, it's easy. Head to DonorDoc.com to learn more and get started. Hey, thanks Donor Doc for being an official sponsor of the official Do Good Better podcast. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey everybody, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, this show is all about uh, helping nonprofits, small, do great big things, acknowledging the small nonprofits that do great big things, and really celebrating the uh, can-do attitude in the nonprofit world. This is going to be kind of a weird and um, uh, unique episode. Usually we have a guest on, we usually have a guest expert trainer, Uh, we uh, talk to nonprofits who are doing awesome things. It's just me and you today. Uh, and I know that's a little bit weird, but we're coming up on our 50th episode. I figure we can go outside of the box. We can think differently and do think I have something on my mind that I actually really wanted to talk to nonprofits about. And I've been experiencing this with both clients, potential clients, and just general feel and community within the nonprofit world. And it is fear. Everybody is, has a twinge of fearfulness nowadays. And I think it's affecting a lot of fundraising. It's affecting a lot of relationship building and the mindset of the nonprofit world. And I think we need to address it now because I think we need to, uh, nip it in the bud before we get any further down the line. And I think we're going to help today. Uh, I, I just been thinking about it a lot on how we can actually process in our brains. We talk a lot about it, uh, you know, celebrating and planning and appreciating and all these kind of things and how to's. But we're really not addressing the root problem here, and it is sort of becoming an epidemic. And I want to address that with you kind of on a one-on-one thing today, just kind of random thoughts from your friend, Patrick Kirby, and here on the official Do Good Better podcast. So one of the things that I'm finding, uh, again, fear. Everyone is trying their best to navigate in this crazy world. We totally get it. And a lot of people are just wondering what to do first, what to do next. They're frozen in place. There's no real answer or like best case scenario anymore. They're all sort of, they seem to be worst case scenarios, whether it's events, whether it's hiring, whether it's firing, whether it's uh, trying to do HR stuff, you know, uh, volunteering is a, is an issue now. Nobody knows where to start. And I think where we need to start is addressing w- what's in the what's in your brain? Why aren't you doing the things that you need to know or you need to do? And what do you need to know in order to get that first step forward? And I think it's addressing the mindset of fearfulness of what's going to happen. And I think that's dangerous in a nonprofit world because I know, I know that this is a world that's a little bit different than what you remember. And I know there's a lot of troublesome things ahead because there's real no clear direction or clear answers on when this whole pandemic thing is going to end and what the hell to do next. So let's start there. Let's start with, let's start with events, volunteers and HR stuff. What what do we do here? Right now we're kind of leaning up into the end of the year and a lot of end of year events are either sort of like, are you going to do it in person, you're going to cancel, you're going to do it virtually or some sort of hybrid version. Um, we started a lot of conversations with clients about sort of moving them virtually. We're seeing better results on interaction, participation, money being raised. And those are for the groups that have, all right, screw it. We're going to try it. They can't, you know, can't stop our fundraising momentum, which is really the key, but taking that leap of faith and turning it virtual. I am a glass exceedingly full kind of person. And my gut says that this pandemic is not going to go away for a while. And I don't think we're going to have in-person events to the level that we used to have. So you got to get to go virtual. A lot of people I think are fearful about, well, it's not going to be the same. Y- yep. It's not. The world is different. The world is completely different. And that's the thing you got to wrap your brain around. This is completely different world. The reality that we were in five, six months ago is not the reality we live in now, nor will it be in the future. This is going to be a weird change of events. And I've used this uh, phrasing before in a lot of the trainings I've done and a lot of conversations I've had is that remember after 9-11, it was really weird to take off your shoes and take off your belt before you got on a plane. And now it's just an inconvenience that we're used to. It's the reality. The reality is you take your belt off, you take your shoes off take your gum wrappers out for some reason at the airport and that's what you do with the air. that's what you do to get on a plane nowadays i don't think there's a lot of people taking plane flights but when you do that's what you that's what you're rocking the same thing with events events are going to go virtual they are going to be virtual for the foreseeable future and that is your reality your fear of what it's going to look like can't hold you back from holding an event because you need that momentum. You need to get in front of the people that you are uh, trying to either attract or maintain momentum at your organization. And if you're going to take the leap, take the leap. I feel like fear is driving a lot of people to cancel and push back you can't cancel and push back. You have to maintain some sort of semblance of of structure by which you're communicating with your donors and holding steady to your fundraising uh, ebbs and flows. And events is really one of them. Now, should you base all your fundraising goals on some special events? No got to have a lot of pillars to this. You got to have annual giving and major gifts and, and, and uh, all sorts of different ways to bring in revenue. But events are critical, especially if you're an organization that relies on a lot of those things to come in. So you have to get rid of the fear of going virtual. We have seen an increase in donations. We have seen an increase in participation. We have seen an increase in the amount of Folks that you're drawing from, if they can't make it to a gala, they can't afford a black tie event, but they can afford going online and and seeing your message and really getting and hammering home why you need to exist because the government can't, shouldn't, and won't do what you need to get done in your community. They want to help. If you don't have your event and if you cancel things, how are people supposed to get the message across that you need help? Invite them into a virtual room. You trap them in for an hour, 90 minutes at the most, and say, this is what we're doing. This is the program that we were going to do. This is the new program we're going to have. We're going to shorten everything up. We're going to tighten everything up. The need is still there. The fear of the unknown of if this is going to work cannot hold you back from building momentum for your organization. Please, I beg of you. Mm -hmm. The next thing that I I think people are really fearful about is volunteer work. If you're an organization that has a lot of volunteers, but you are now in a way that you can't get together with your volunteers, you got to figure that out. You cannot um, abandon your folks who want to help. And if they can't help financially, they can help you figure out some way to assist in your programming, assist in your fundraising, assist in your communications. I think people are fearful if they do reach out to your volunteers and don't have something available. They're just going to go uh, and find somewhere else. Um, I think that's a real possibility. People want to volunteer for things that makes them feel good intrinsically. So tap into that. So if you're an organization that is very program heavy, that you need to concentrate on, you don't think you can do virtual uh, fundraising or you don't have virtual things that you can do because you got to concentrate on your programming. Great. Use your volunteers for good to help you with the other things that you can't get to. You're wearing 10,000 different hats. We already know that. I mean, that's the thing. Everybody in the nonprofit world knows that we wear a thousand different things, a thousand different hats. If you can use your volunteer corps to help you with some of those that are non-critical to the programming or help you with the programming, do it. You have to get creative. Instead of fearful, get creative. That's really the key. If you're going to get through this pandemic smelling like roses, you're going to have to get creative. And so figuring out ways that your volunteer core or potential volunteers could help you in your organization, create a way to communicate. Are there champions within social media? Can you build a a volunteer core to come help you spread the good word about what your organization does? That requires zero money, little effort, and very little time. But the benefits could be exponential. We talk a lot about on this program, third-party endorsement is exponentially better than first-party is solicitation. And what that means is if you've got somebody who's not financially tied to an organization speaking well about your organization, brilliant. That's exactly what you want to do. So if you've got a- uh, like a hardcore group of volunteers or a group of people who'd love to volunteer for your organization, but you don't have anything for them to do because you're just sort of transitioning yourself into this sort of I think we're going to get from point A to point B for programming style. get them on fire for your organization, send them out on social media, send them into the newspapers, have them call into radio stations. have them do whatever it takes to spread the good word about what you do in the community and the impact that you make. Spend time developing talking points that they can go out and do. That's their volunteer work, spreading the good word. Have them apostatize on your behalf. That's brilliant. Now that takes trust and lack of fear that those who are talking well about your organization are talking well about your organization. Set them up for success. Give them whatever they need in order to be out there talking positively about your uh, group or your organization, or your nonprofit, or your leadership, or the programs that you have, have them go out and do that. And and take the fear away from not knowing who's talking about it or what they're talking about and embrace the fact that these people want to help. That's the fear that I think holds people back. I think a lot of other fears that people have involve HR. Programs uh, are great, but the HR, the, what are people doing at home? If they're not in the office, what do they do? Um, what are they doing all day? The results aren't coming in. The world is weird and different and we don't have to work in an office anymore. If you especially if you're in in fundraising, especially if you're in, you know, sort of uh people to people, sort of non-programming aspects of it, don't have to be in an office. It's weird. Um I think really the fear of a results only work environment is a fear that I need to manage differently. So if you are a manager, if you're an executive director, if you're a leader that has required you to you know, sort of have trust in your people to get the job done, your fear is in how do I manage without knowing that they're in the office down the hall, making phone calls, doing what they're going to say. It's documenting what they do that's going to allow you to feel better about them out in the field on their own where you don't see them every single day. I think a lot of fear relies on maybe my own um, expectations. How am I blocking time out? My fear of if I'm not in the office, I'm not held accountable. If I'm not there, I'm not going to get my work done. There's a lot of fear in that. Results only work environment. Give them a goal. Give them the tools they need to go and get it. Have them, you know, trust them, but verify what they're doing is right and on task and on target. Go get them. I think that's a really key thing to do. So fear of events, don't. Go virtual. Embrace it. It's going to be okay, right? Everybody's going to give you grace for hiccups that go along with the streaming or uh, things that don't look exactly uh, what they are used to because the world is completely different. Have trust and don't fear that you can't reach out to your volunteers and let them help you either speak wonderful things about you in the community or help you with programming, however you see fit, get them on board. Don't lose them. Don't lose that momentum. I'm fearful for you for losing momentum. So bring them back, bring them back. And the other thing is too, this fear of HR, this fear of of employees that they're not going to get their stuff done. Um, I think that is nonsense. People love your organization. They work there because they, they, they want to. They want to make an impact. They want to make a difference. I think this is really kind of a thing that you can um, embrace, uh, but you got to trust them. you got to trust that they're going to do great. You've got to give them instructions and give them parameters and goals to hit and encourage them through some virtual challenges and virtual channels that are going to help you as an organization. Because if you just leave them be without any support, who knows what they're going to do, Right. So the fear of letting them go and do it on their own needs to be eradicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to work in an organization where um, I had one of the, like, the best bosses in the entire world, took a leap of faith on me as far as a fundraiser goes, as a manager goes. Um, and one of the big things that we went through was a transition of change. And, and everybody in this organization, long time organization, over 70 years old, I mean, it was a institution is an institution. And he said something so interesting about change in general. And people were so terrified of it. They were so fearful of of change. And he said um, to a lot of people, you've been changing since day one. It might've been slow, but where you are now to where you started is exponentially different from programming and services, personal growth, you've all changed. The speed by which you think things are going to happen now and you have to adjust is terrifying. But because you've been doing it over 20 years, you don't notice how much you've changed in the first, you've always been changing. The nonprofit world has always adjusted, always changed for the betterment of uh, the, the groups that they serve, the people they impact, etc. They all do. You do. You've been changing since day one. Think back to the time where you first started at your nonprofit, green, no idea what the hell you're doing. I know we don't know what the hell we're doing now. Right. But you didn't know a thing, you know, you're reading books, you're getting trained, your manuals are confusing. Um, but the, but the guttural instinct of you being a part of that organization made you feel really great. You're a completely different person from when you started to where you are now. That's change. And would you, if you knew how much you had to change from then and there, how much fear would you have had? Probably a lot. But because it was slow burn and it was slow going and you didn't have to adjust on the fly, eh, not really that, that creepy and scary. So know that you have always changed, always adjusted, always been great. You've always been doing this. And I think if you can get that through your brain and understand you've always been changing, Always been growing, always been moving forward. this radical leap into an, uh, a reality we now live in that's completely different than it was five months ago can't be that scary. You're just doing it at lightning speed and you have to you have to you have to thrive you have to survive. the people that you serve depend on you adjusting on the fly. have to you got it in you. You know you have, you deal with crap on a regular basis that would make other people blush. The amount of crazy budgets you have to hit, the amount of crazy goals that your board of directors has expectations on you, you got this. A pandemic's not going not gonna to stop you unless you get to it, unless it gets to you. And that's, I think, a lot of mental stuff. You've always been changing. You've always been growing. Don't let the fear of change get you down. Think back to when you started, think back to where you are yesterday and look at that parameter. Like, look at those, look at the bookmarks there, where you've gone and where you've been and what you've gone through and all the crap that you've had to sort out and all the fights you've been uh, mentally fighting in your brain or the, or the assignments you've been given or the instructions from the board you've been given that just seem impossible. You've made it, you've made it, you're here. You're listening to this and you're listening for a little bit of gold. Do not let that get into your brain. You're better than that. You're more aggressively positive than that. You work in the nonprofit world. You're built for this. If there is a group of individuals who are built for pandemic response, it's people in the nonprofit world. All you do is, you know, adjust on the fly for crap that comes down the line. That's the nonprofits built for you built organizations Based on responding because nobody else would do it. That's really where nonprofits started, right? We just came out of the blue and said, ah, well, if nobody else is gonna do it, let's start a nonprofit, let's get it done. This community needs us. They need you now more than ever. And they need you to really respond in a positive light. They do. They need your enthusiasm more than ever. They desperately need it. So you got this. It's gonna be easy. A lot of people are gonna ask, like, what's the next steps? How do I get out of my fear? How do I not? Sit and loathe for a day's gone by. You need a framework. You need to build a framework. We've built one here on this podcast. We talk about it for every um, organization. We ask them, what what are they planning? What are they doing differently? What have you documented as successes? What do you celebrate? What do you appreciate? Five days, every day, 20 minutes a day, whatever it is, build your own framework. Let's build it together right now bear with me. Mondays are for planning. Tuesdays are for doing. Wednesdays are for documenting. Thursdays are for celebrating and Fridays are for appreciating. Take 20 minutes a day to rid yourself of all the chaos in the entire world and concentrate on that. Let's talk about Monday. Mondays are for planning. Get all of your logistics together, right? What do you have to get done by the end of the week? Plan for that. All hell's going to break loose at some point. You know this. It's happened every week since the day you started. It's totally fine, right? But what do you have to get done? What's the one thing that prioritizes over everything else? Start with one. Don't start with 28 things. You know you can't do that. Your to-do list keeps growing and you haven't crossed anything off. We all know how this goes. You've you've been, we've all been there. We're all there now, right? You're not alone. But plan on getting something done. Tuesdays are for doing. Get something done. Cross it off your list. Make an ask. Make a visit. Make a connection. Do something. You can get caught up in planning forever. And I know that it's absolutely frustrating. So make sure that you've got something on your docket that for 20 minutes you can accomplish. You can do. Get it done. Cross it off. Make you feel like you're great. Wednesdays are for documenting. Document success in conversations you've had with potential donors and sponsors and connections and supporters or whatever that is, if you get hit by a bus, what have you recorded to give your next, your, your predecessor, a, ch- a fighting shot at survival in your position? You got to document things, right? What piece of information did you learn from a conversation with a donor you didn't know the day before? That's valuable, Right? What, what sort of, where do they work? What's their job title? What sort of thing can you document and take 20 minutes on a Wednesday and just document? Don't be fearful about what you know and what you don't know, just document something. Build your framework. Thursdays are for celebrating. You do a terrible job of celebrating your wins. I'm talking to everybody in the nonprofit world. And no, it's not bragging. It's just awesome. Remember why you do the things that you do, why you started this job in the first place, why your impact is great, why your organization kicks ass. Remember that. Why is it? Make sure you spend time, spend 20 minutes on a Thursday, celebrating your successes, celebrating your wins, no matter how big or how small. Celebrate. Remember why you do this. Fridays are for appreciating. If you can end the week with thank yous, if you do nothing else other than write five thank you notes, personal, handwritten thank you notes to people in your community, not just donors. Donors expect a thank you note. Great. You know who doesn't expect a thank you note? A coworker who did something really awesome. A community member that maybe has nothing to do with your organization, but made an impact and made the community better. Send one on your behalf of your organization to that person we've been paying attention. You did great. Kudos to you. Thanks for being a part of this community and making the world a better place. Don't think of thank you notes as just feeding the ego of of somebody who donates a large sum of money. They're going to get their thanks. Thank the underdog. Thank the person who doesn't get thanked a lot. Thank your coworker, your uh, volunteers, people who need to feel really great at the end of the week. Send them a note. Send them a text. Pick up the phone and call. End the week on appreciation. That's what you should do every single time. Now, if you build that framework, planning, doing, documenting, celebrating, and appreciating, if you have that framework, at least you have something on the books every single week that you get to go and abolish all fear because you know exactly what you're going to do every single day for at least a small chunk of time, control what you can control, do what you can do with the hand you have been dealt at your organization and make sure that you are not fearful about it because you've got a plan. You have a framework. You get to go back to those things, right? Think about it from a marketing standpoint. What are you planning on doing as an organization Post it on Facebook? What are you doing differently than anybody else? in your neck of the woods or your nonprofit? Post that on Facebook. There's a great marketing plan. What have you documented as a success? Post it on uh, social media. What do you want to celebrate? Post it on social media. Write a press release. Go on the radio. And who do you want to appreciate? Pick up the phone. Plop it on social media. Whatever your marketing plan is, you can use that framework too. You don't have to be fearful about what the hell do I do? I don't know if I'm doing it right. Pretty easy that way, right? Fear can be a really ugly thing in the nonprofit world. I totally understand that. We have no idea what this pandemic is going to do. We have no idea what next week is going to bring. Hell, I'm losing sleep over school for my kids, the same way that you probably are too, or your cousins or your nephews or your neighbors. Nobody knows what's going to go on. That's literally the scariest thing in the entire world. But if you let that get the best of you, you are going to really do a disservice to your organization. You have to be the shining light. You have to be the enthusiastic warrior that goes out and says, listen, we acknowledge all the BS going on in the world. And it doesn't matter whatever social issues that are going on, whatever that is. Yep. We acknowledge it. People are desperate to attach themselves to a positive, impactful group. And you have to be that happy warrior. I'm sorry to burden this with you, but you have to be, you have to conquer your fear in knowing that I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody does. You know, I'm not going to tell you to fake it till you make it, but fake it till you make it right. You don't need to know every single aspect of your organization at all. You don't. I promise you. All you need to know is that you believe in your mission. You believe in the impact. You know, what you do is great, right? Right tell that story to as many people as possible and do it enthusiastically. That'll conquer your fear because people are going to ask, how can I help? You have a list of things that you can do. Follow a framework. Don't be fearful, whether it's events, whether it's volunteers, whether it's HR, whether it's not knowing and being fearful for your actual schedule itself. You got this. Don't worry about it. So um, I'm very excited. I just, I loved just, I need to calm you down. You're going to be okay. And you shouldn't be fearful. You should be awesome. Because you are. You're, you're just awesome. So I, uh, this is one of the weirder podcast episodes. And yet, one of the most fun ones. Just kind of having a heart-to-heart with all of you. You can do this. You've got this. So get out there and kick a lot of ass. And um, I'm really excited that you stopped by here on the official Do Good Better podcast. We'll see you next time. And listen, we're coming up on 50 episodes. My God, this is super fun. And we'll see you next time here on the official Do of Good podcast. You got this. Don't let fear get the best of you. We'll talk to you next. See ya. There are countless videos, books, articles, and folks out there with suggestions on how to raise more money. Of course, that's a major problem. Too much information. Do Good University has an online library of lectures, courses, and trainings that concentrate on one thing, making fundraising simple. Come join other like-minded do-gooders who are looking to unclutter their fundraising life. Enroll at Do Good University today at DoGoodBetterConsulting.com.